You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Welcome to the Well-Fed Women podcast. This is episode number 352. I'm your host, Noel Tar of CoconutsAndCutterballs.com. And I'm here with my co-host, Stephanie Ruper. And today we're going to be talking about our own health struggles and where we're at today as women in our 30s. Uh, poofas and skincare. This has been a... a highly requested topic, so we'll we'll try to unpack that. L-theanine in your coffee and biohacking your fitness recovery, your fitness gains. Before we jump in, you best be putting blue blocks on your Christmas list. It is the gift of sleep and reduced stress and less headaches and fatigue and eye strain. Yay, adulting adulting Christmas lists. My Christmas list right now, FYI, is mostly baking products. So like a new ceramic bread pan and muffin tin and, yes, a donut pan. I found a ceramic donut pan. And then like Blue Blocks light bulbs, which is hilarious. My mom's like, uh, is this really what you want for Christmas? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm 35 now. This is what I want. So uh, with Blue Blocks, really, you can't underestimate the impacts of light, including LED over a headlight and the blue light that comes from screens. So your computer and your phone and even TVs after sunset. When it comes to your circadian rhythm and sleep quality, blue light completely offsets and suppresses melatonin production, which you need to fall asleep and to have good quality sleep. And it's a vicious cycle because the less sleep and less melatonin you produce, the more inflamed you are and the more you expose your body to chronic stress and the less you sleep. So one of the things that I think is really important to mention, because I, I found this for myself personally, is that you may be in, di- in certain seasons of life more sensitive to light disruption. So things like, you know, pandemics and pregnancy and newborns and a death in the family and social media and just media nonsense and all of the changes that you experience during those times, which it can really be summed up as chronic stress, um, that can really make your body more sensitive to light exposure and light exposure specifically at night. And it can become really stimulating. So I find that I get really like when I'm already stressed and anxious, maybe I've had a rough day or whatever. Or, um, you know, like last night, I just am really annoyed with my two year old and the constant testing that I'm getting at this mo- at you know, this phase of life. Um, I have to put my glasses on right away because I'm already like stimulated and annoyed and stressed. So it really helps to kind of key me back down. Um, so the best way to do that is with Blue Box glasses. They have the um, Blue Box computer glasses, which block out all the com- like computer and screen light. And then the Sleep Plus glasses block out all the wavelengths that have been shown in studies to disrupt your uh, circadian rhythm. So they do have like an orange tint. So grab a pair of the glasses with our link. We have a 15% off discount. It's a um it's called it's blue block, so B-L-U, B-L-O-X dot com slash well fed. Our code is well fed. It should automatically be applied, but if you don't go to blueblocks.com slash well fed, you can use the code well fed for 15% off. And then most of the glasses have free shipping. 
Um, and they can also turn any pair of glasses into custom blue blockers. Uh, they simply take your existing glasses and then they fit them with their lenses, which is pretty cool. Again, that's blueblocks.com slash wellfed. Our code is wellfed. Hello, Stephanie. Yo. Yo. So have you made your Christmas list yet? <laughs> <laughs> I know the answer to that. <laughs> it's so funny. You were talking about being an adult and, and Christmas lists and stuff. When I was in high school, I kept asking for money to invest in mutual funds. Gosh. And I know people kept getting me fun things. I was like, excuse me. <laughs> Can I sell this on eBay and just invest it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, I don't I, I want for nothing. You know, um, I can't I can't possibly. I mean, <laughs> I do a lot of thrift shopping for clothes. I had to recently, which we can discuss whenever, uh, build a business casual wardrobe, uh, which was, which was really fun. Mm -hmm. So, um, I will always accept, I will accept pretty much anything that's teal, whether it's a, a, a linen man, how many teal blankets (laughs) do I have? Whether it's a linen or a sofa (laughs) or a sofa, something to put on the sofa or a kitchen thing, or a clothing thing. I will accept anything that's teal. People are like, what do you want? I'm like, anything that's teal. But like <laughs> the more blue green teal than the green blue teal is very important to me. Anyway, uh, yeah. So I, but honestly, and you know, I don't know. I would prefer. I don't. I don't want any. I want for nothing. I'll buy you. Uh, what were you saying? You want uh, <laughs> baking goods. No, I need to bake dishes. So like I still have a I have glass stuff and I have some aluminum, which I always just line with parchment paper. But I'm finding a lot more high quality ceramic bakeware, which is really exciting. So like if you have a donut pan, you're typically only going to find it in aluminum and then you'll find some silicone options, which they rip within like like you use it like twice it's just like kind of cheaper silicone stuff that you'll just find on amazon so i really want like a ceramic pan um and they also have like ceramic cookie sheets which i just again i need to test it out anyway that's that's my christmas list do you do your do your does your family like buy from a list or have they do they just like buy whatever (laughs) This is an ongoing conversation. Have we talked about this? I think so, but I we just, have a, we now have that you're of, like in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I used to. I always came home, except for last year. Right? I always, always yeah, came home for the holidays. That's true. Um, yeah. So uh, we've had a lot of conversations about the usefulness of lists. <laughs> we go back and forth all the time. Like, are we using lists this year? You know, and then like some people secretly use lists or like, you know, you like who's handy, who's secretly passing whose list to whom. Like, <laughs> yeah. That kind of thing. So that's cute. Um, I don't know. I like I like getting people things that I know that they're going to want. You know, I, I'm very happy to try to uh, be you know, spontaneous and creative and dig into like the depths of their psyches that I like might be able to figure something out. But also if they just tell me, I'm like, yeah, I'm getting that. Great. Thank you so much. This is yeah. great for everybody. So. Yeah. I I have yeah. to agree. And when it comes to kids, it's really, really important because people, a lot of people who maybe don't know your kids or like you just end up getting crap, you know, <laughs> like junk. And and I, I hate being wasteful. I want, mm-hmm. you know, my, like if you're going to spend money on them, like get them, at, you know, and like something yep. that I know that they're going to love. And right now it's a lot of like activity books and like I want to practice writing with Stella. And I know that Maverick loves 
building and he's like got an engineer brain. So I'm trying to do, of course, I do more educational toys. Of course, we have some crap stuff and that's fine, like plastic, whatever. But I like to do more educational stuff and I find that they like it better too. And so then you just like sometimes like we get stuff and I'm like, this is cool. Like somebody once got us this like big Paw Patrol plastic thing. Nothing against Paw Patrol. My kids have never watched it. And I was like, ah, thank you. This is great. But it just to me, it's like the the wastefulness of it is is hard because you also kids get so many toys, you know, they they already mm-hmm. have a lot. And so um, this year we're trying to definitely keep it simple. I invested in two. Um, this brand is called Micro Scooters, and they are really cool now. The way that the scooter scooters work, they kind of you like lean and they turn, and uh, so we're getting each of them a scooter, and that kind of knocks you know down the waste because those are that's an investment. But um, yeah, lists are helpful. I want to talk to you about biohacking because you yes. <laughs> because you you. <laughs> You sent me a message on Instagram, and now I can't remember what it was, but I true I know it had to do with something about bulletproof and coffee and how you are doing something now. And I was like, "Who are you? So, what are you doing? That is, and why?" <laughs> did, did I send you a photo of me holding a a bottle of bulletproof MCT oil because no. I have some? No. <laughs> yeah, which is really great. Like actual I have a- branded. Yeah, like oh they had it at Whole Foods around the corner. I was going to order it, and then they had it at Whole Foods. I'm thinking about getting their coffee too. Anyway, I'm okay. thinking about it. Very. You are so bought in. Because yeah, well, because I'm I'm shopping around for coffees that are like very intentionally mold free. Because uh, I think that that plays a role with my histamine stuff, and it's all about the way it's processed and and what have you. So, uh, I'm getting I'm getting into biohacking. Yeah, I really am. I'm really enjoying it. So <laughs> part of I mean, it just it's just so funny, you know, because look, like we've been doing this for many years, and something we've always said is that there are seasons for different ways of being. And for a very long time, the idea of thinking about tinkering both felt very annoying and very stressful. It, like the most important thing for my health at that time was just to be kind of chill and be like, you know, I'm going to eat the vegetables and the stuff and it's going to be fine, you know. Uh, but my experiences with uh, histamine intolerance have really opened my eyes to like precisely how like sensitive my body is, but how much I can influence the way I feel based yeah. on like what, what you know I, I always we always know that how we feel is influenced by what we eat and, and that was has always been true for me in a general sense but now I'm playing with it in a more specific sense you know because I'll wake up and I'll be like oh my throat feels a little <clears throat> I sound a little scratchy right now and that's because mm-hmm. I know I, I I took a thing that was old and I know it probably had a bunch of histamine in it and so now like am I going to go take a like a histamine X, am I going to take a quercetin? Am I going to pair the quercetin with a bromelain to make sure it's like more properly absorbed? Uh, am I going to have caffeine today? Because I know that that could interfere with that. But also if I supplement with this, can I still be able to have my caffeine? You know, I want all my cake and eating it too. So uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm just, I'm like dipping my toes in the water. I'm not like, I'm not a card carrying, badge wearing biohacker. But at the same time, but at the same yeah. time, like I to to make sure that I feel good, I've kind of had to to like really dial in and be very nitpicky about, you know, histamine and foods and energy levels. And now I'm looking at B vitamins and, you know, I've got a lot of the MTHFR um, polymorphisms. And yeah. 
so I'm playing with that, but that's, that's its whole thing. So it's kind of, you know, I'm leaning a little bit into biohacking, but it's coming at it from an angle of like, these have been my, these have been my symptoms. And, and now I have, you know, I'm just sort of easing into the whole thing. No, yeah, I think that's great. I love it. I, um, yeah, we, we do uh, doing mold free coffee is, is really important, especially if you're drinking it every morning. And so we always we remember Wild Foods Co. They were like a sponsor mm-hmm. a long time ago. Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. We still buy their coffee because of the way that it's made and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, but you okay. do you do have to order it. But Bulletproof is a great way to just because isn't it available at Whole Foods? I, um, I see it everywhere. The beans might be. Yeah, yeah. I think the beans are because if you're finding the MCT oil. I would think it has to be there. But I mean, let's make no mistake. Like as as much as we're like, we're not biohackers, like we totally are. We talk about I mean, if you if you if you were a person sure. who yeah. was like blocking out specific wavelengths of light <laughs> and, and you're and you're you're like you're like, you know, sitting in front of a red light device, I, I'm pretty oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure we're red light or oh, we're red lighters. Yeah. We're biohackers. Yeah. yeah. I mean I, it's so funny. I had people over this like weekend, some people over for the first time ever. Yeah. And somebody opened my fridge and they were like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> like, the, all the door, the whole door is supplements. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think a histamine, like histamine X or Yeah, there's histo- a histamine e's. section. There's a supplement. histamine section. But it's not yeah. the only section. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And you I, know what I learned? I also I learned a lot from my mother who has she's in, you know, really extraordinary good health. And she's been a very careful, like intentional supplementer. And I was like, oh, like, you know, and I started mm-hmm. experimenting with that when I uh, visited, you know, when I came back from the UK and I was like, wow. OK. Yeah. Yeah. We're biohackers. For sure. Yeah, I, totally. And I, I had that epiphany moment, too, recently. Our neighbor's we have neighbors that are across the street and they, we can see into their backyard. So they spend a lot of time, they're retired. They spend a lot of time outside. And so we sometimes walk over and talk to them and they, they go, what, what's the red, I have to ask you, what is the red light coming from, <laughs> coming from your house every morning? Cause both Ken and I sit down at, in front of the red light every morning before the kids get up. This is dark outside, but there's this bright red light. Because we have huge bay windows right there. So then wow. I had to explain red light therapy to them. And they look like, I, they were like, huh? Like, they looked at me like I had two heads. And I was like, yeah. Oh, oh you know that song, um, Roxanne? <laughs> yes. About you don't have to put on the red light. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking of right now. This song is a, you feel free to cut this out of the podcast if you want to. It's a great drinking song. Oh, it, if you take a drink every time they say either Roxanne or red light. Yeah. It's a Interesting. Song. Yeah. Anyway, feel free to edit that. Out <laughs> no need. Spe- no need. Biohacking. I mean, <laughs> next maybe- time you're getting trashed. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was just funny. And then I had to say, you know, to make it sound normal. I'm like, oh, yeah, like NFL football players, like they do this all the time. Like. <laughs> They, they have like these red light therapy rooms. Like I was trying to make me not sound weird. Anyway. I, yeah, I'm with yeah. you. Absolutely. People think I'm the, oh yeah. Weirdest. We're the weirdos. It's fine. I'll take it. Um, okay. Yeah, let's feel good. 
Well, yeah, and we have ways of of managing and adapting, and yep. and we we can stop things before it spirals out of control. I think that that's kind of what differentiates people who are have holistic, you know, a holistic mentality, or like aren't so bought into conventional medicine. There are like there are things you can do to stop before you know stop the the downward spiral whether that's anxiety or just overload of stress sleep issues hormone imbalances and once you come back from that which we both have which that's gonna throw us into our our first question once you come back from that then you know the things that you need to do to stop going going from going back uh which question number one is from Rini. And she says, I have been wondering, can you each do a quick recap of your own health journeys and how you've healed? You both seem to be doing so well since the early days of the podcast. I remember more discussion about food intolerance and stuff, which is funny because I was like, wow, we started the podcast. I mean, we were so young, but Mm -hmm. also I guess we we had a lot of issues. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. We still had our own issues for sure. I'm going to try to be really quick. <laughs> we'll see. Um, so growing up, I think we ate fine. Uh, we ate well. But I, uh, well, I guess one thing is I always had headaches. And mm. a lot of very common, you know, malaises in terms of struggling with my appetite and sleep and anxiety and my skin my first big health thing was when I lost some weight pretty quickly my last year of university and after which I developed uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome, which was also kind of hypothalamic amenorrhea. It was what I call type two PCOS. Uh, and that had a, a whole host of things attached to it, including uh, hypothyroidism, anemia, a little bit, I think. Um, and what else? Skin, uh, acne, libido, my very acne was, was very painful and prominent. And so uh, that was the first, uh, host of things that I was figuring out, but I also didn't want to gain weight cause I was afraid So instead of doing that, which probably would have helped with a lot of my issues, I tried to fix my acne with by taking spironolactone, which uh, is a drug typically prescribed for blood pressure and often prescribed off label for women with hormonal acne because of the way it blocks some male, you know, some typical male androgen sex hormones. And anyway, I uh, that did not go well. <laughs> that was not great. It uh, gave me a, a whole host of uh, issues that I had to figure out uh, about uh, really intense anxiety and insomnia, basically muscle weakness, shortness of breath. It took me a very long time to figure that out and recover from it. And eventually I did put on weight and the PCOS abated uh, a lot of all of the issues attached to it abated. I, uh, yeah. 
and the insomnia and the anxiety and all of that I worked through doing a lot of biohacking kind of stuff, trying to, you know, trying different supplements, trying to figure out how to elevate GABA, which is an inhibitory neurotransmitter levels in my brain, all that kind of stuff took many years. I'm still, you know, that's, I'm not going to say that that specific thing is still affecting me, but I still am constantly thinking about uh, inhibitory actions in the brain, uh, how to balance excitation with that sort of thing. Anyway, so there was all that. And in amidst all of that, I didn't eat dairy. I couldn't eat so many things, uh, soy, uh, anything that might be a problem for my acne. It was a long, long list. Um, But slowly over time, I became better nourished and also learned to eat all of the macronutrients in a way that is conducive to my health. I then figured out that my uh, crooked nose meant that my nose was broken and was inhibiting my breathing and thus causing my headaches and arguably like my uh, par- part of my struggle to relax my entire life because I never breathed particularly deeply and um, was always having headaches and sleeping badly. So I got that surgery and that has been life changing. I get way fewer headaches. Uh, and nowadays I am realizing that another reason that I've had, uh, headaches throughout my life is that I am histamine intolerant and I have a genetic polymorphism for that, uh, a few. And I also have a few MTHFR polymorphisms and both of those have probably been underlying, uh, all, all everything <laughs> in some way or another that I've experienced throughout my life. Um, it's not to say that, that, you know, those things were necessary or what have you, but, um, yeah, so now I'm currently working on the histamine stuff. Um, I spent the summer eating a lot of really high histamine foods, which I think sort of overloaded my body on histamine, which is unfortunate, but also it gave me the experience I needed to realize that this was a thing for me. So now I'm mm-hmm. working on it and it's going, uh, it's going great. Here I am. Hello. Well, <laughs> I, was, I think there was like four minutes anyway. Hello. That was great. Um, it's great. When did, when did you start getting headaches as a kid? Is that kind of one of the things you remember first? Ever. You know, it's 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 funny. I have a memory of expressing to my mom, I think, quite young, saying I had a fever. And she was like, no, you don't. But I didn't know what the word was or something mm-hmm. like that. Like, I, I remember being confused because I was trying to communicate what was bothering me in my head. So I think it's I think it's been pretty consistent, although I used to be able to do a lot of things that I can't do now, like um like sit in a room with fluorescent lights. Like I would go to school. I don't know. I got headaches a lot, but um, maybe now I'm just aware of it or I've been exposed too much. But a lot of that kind of stuff, I, you know, don't, don't do always wear a hat, always have sunglasses. It's fine. Yeah. 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 I remember that. Yeah. I think the, what kind of put you on the map too, was you talking about your own personal, like the main content that you were putting out in the beginning was about PCOS and acne. That was really the focus of paleo for women. Yeah. And then it kind of, you know, grew. But yeah. Um, yeah. And the fasting stuff. Just <laughs> related that, to biohacking. That, yeah. Fasting. Okay. So intermittent fasting for women. So gosh, a quick recap. Golly. So so I will just say that when I was young, <laughs> golly, when I <laughs> haven't said that in a while. When I was younger, I had IBS and I would, I ended up missing like, like you, Steph, at a very young age, I started, my earliest memories are are having stomach aches. And so I always, that's kind of how I, of course, I didn't say I had IBS. It was always stomach aches. And I would have to just be in the bathroom for hours because my stomach was cramping and it was constant and as young as like seven, eight, nine. 
I missed friends' birthday parties. Like, that's the stuff that sticks out to me. And my parents, I think it was mostly my mom said, if you didn't, if you could, you know, if you didn't have any more stomach aches, if we changed your diet and that stopped your stomach aches, would you want, would you be okay changing it? And I said, yes. So we went on a more strict whole foods based, but vegetarian diet for a very long time. And it helped, but not a ton. So looking back, I can see now that my trigger was really dairy and ice cream in particular. So like really concentrated dairy. And um, it, it <laughs> that that's like part one of my issues that sort of continued to carry on throughout my life and really stopped once I removed both gluten and dairy when I went quote unquote paleo. The second part of my story in which I probably talk more about than not is the my whole disordered relationship with my body and food and all of the things. So initially, uh, and I have I've maybe hinted at this before, but I got dumped in high school and I was let go. And I at that moment, I had a realization of like, oh, and it was for somebody else. And I was like, oh, like my body is changing. And that's the reason why this happened. And it probably pretty much was because of what, you know, society and what they tell us and also what, you know, men at that age think is what they should be pursuing and all the things or maybe not men, boys. And um, I... I remember initially just starting to experiment with meal replacement shakes and meal replacement bars, Goline bars, Goline cereal, and just trying to cut calories. And I started working out at the YMCA and I actually got a job there. So I was really into the kind of YMCA culture of like health, fitness, all the things. And I would do the elliptical and it started out for 30 minutes and then it turned into 45. And then it was like I was doing... I tried to do like over an hour of cardio every day and people were giving me compliments and saying, oh, you look so good. What are you doing? And I was like, oh, I just stopped eating sugar and I worked out more. And really, I was just slowly on a path of starving myself more and more, working out as much as possible. And that just tumbled into tech tactics that are just, you know, like taking diet pills and taking laxatives because that was kind of the thing that people were doing in high school. And in I was in cheerleading and I cheerleaded in college and I started doing triathlons and running as a way to manage it. And in college, I realized I had a problem. I just didn't know what to do about it. So the way that I managed it was endurance training. So I ended up doing a half Ironman and a marathon. And I loved that stuff. I loved the working out. But at the same time, I absolutely hated it because I was like, forcing myself. I was pressuring myself. I was using all this like shame, you know, motivation to get me to do the workouts. And I eventually just ran myself into the ground, had a horrible hip injury and just couldn't even work out. And I had to really, that's where I had my stop moment and like, what what am I doing this for? And how can I how can I fix me? How can I fix my mind? Because this is not fun. I don't want to do this anymore. And I met my husband and we got married. And even in early parts of our marriage, we still had, I still had some of these tendencies. I mean, I used to 
I would like starve myself all day and then overeat. And I remember even like I would eat my roommate's peanut butter and just like, you know, because I, I was like so hungry and I would just eat. I would not keep anything in the house and I'd end up eating her food and I felt so bad about that. So anyway, it was just a lot. Got married, moved. And really, even when I started the blog and the not really when I started this podcast or when we started it, but when I started kind of thinking about going to NTP school and just trying to change my ways, I was still really stuck in this, like, I've got to do cardio mindset. When I stopped doing that and I was like, I'm done, I'm not going to spend 45 minutes on the elliptical anymore and then try to go lift weights. Like, my body is so done. I'm stressed out. I've got to stop. That's when things really started to fall into place. And I've had, you know, varying experiences since having kids and just with my chronic back pain, I've had a complete like 180 in terms of my viewpoint on health and fitness and just like how I view my body and what I want from my life and what I want to do in life and what I value. Having children and having my body go through these like incredibly challenging times, which is having the severe back pain, having a ton of mastitis infections and just feeling totally like I just couldn't do anything has made me appreciate things and see my body in such a different light. So, yeah, I mean, aging, maturity, it's all wonderful. It's not to say that I don't struggle now. I don't I definitely don't have any digestive issues because I still don't eat gluten or dairy. But I'm way you know, when we first started the podcast, I was really still like a little bit. (laughs) I don't know. And even when I you can go back and look at some er earlier blog posts, I was still really like paleo and we sh- you should eat x y and z thing and you shouldn't be eating this and really more rigid with restrictions and rules even though we were talking i think steph and i were both on the same page about you've got to just do what's right for you still in my own life i was a little bit more what we'd call restricty and i think stephanie was too and now i th- you know having this experience both working with clients and and having just life experience in general, I realize it's not in these tiny little details. It's not, you know, your health is not about making sure that you you get the perfect amount of this nutrient in relation to this nutrient. That all can help. But where I'm at now is eat whole foods and don't stress and relax and sleep and like get outside and lift weights. (laughs) Like back to the basics you know, you don't need to eat paleo. No, you don't need to avoid grains. Sure, there are ways to properly prepare it, but it's also okay if you don't. And like your kid, it's it's really okay if your kid has a lollipop. Like, it's, you know, and I remember back in the day being like, oh, my kids are never going to eat sugar and blah, blah, blah. And I just, I, I'm not interested in doing that to my children. And I'm more concerned about their mental health at this point. So anyway, aging is great. Being in your 30s is great. And I don't have digestive issues. It's not to say I don't struggle with not I don't I wouldn't say I struggle with body image. I don't know how, what you would consider it. And I'd love to hear if you still struggle with this stuff. But I struggle with it in a different way. I think sometimes it's it's hard to, you know, I, I want to you have a history. We have this history now where we remember what we did and who we were in our 20s. And now we're in our, you know, I'm in my mid 30s. And I'm like, oh, man, I, I I wish I could get back to being able to do this thing. And I wish I could, you know, I, 
I'm putting my I'm talking about fitness on the Internet. Like, shouldn't I be more fit? Shouldn't I be able to handle like running like six miles or whatever? You know, I, I put the pressure on myself. And I think that that's where the pressure comes from now, as opposed to before. It was always just like, I need to be skinny. You know, I need to be that's that I need to be thin. I need to be lean. People need to see me as that lean person. And it was just a bunch of bull. It didn't it didn't lead to any happiness or any satisfaction. And nobody cared except me. So do you um, do you find yourself struggling in different ways now in your 30s with body image? It's still like it's it's a part of our world. So it's I don't know if I'm you know what I mean? We're never outside of that matrix and Mm -hmm. we have defenses against it. And that's great. And uh, we we use that might and I lean into them at different points in time. I have recently uh, lost a little bit of weight and people comment on it a lot, uh, which is I don't love it uh, mm-hmm. because I appreciate that people are are saying are, are saying something that they think would be nice for me. But all it the thing that it primarily does is enforce to me the idea that this is like how I should look or you know what I mean? Like it it reinforces it. Anytime somebody like compliments uh, weight loss, it, it, you know, it does it reinforces something about your appearance and being smaller. That's positive. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that sort of that has tripped me up like a little bit uh, here and there. But at the same time, I and I've also landed in a, you know, kind of back in a new place and an old place in a new place. And I'm trying to make friends and, you know, uh, there's a lot of like everybody's complimenting each other all the time because we want to glow each other up. And that's great, you know, <laughs> um, but it, it's wonderful because that's, you know, that's the kind of people I try to, you know, mm-hmm. try, that's the kind of person I try to be kind of people I try to attract. But I uh, yeah, I. I'm constantly reminding myself that, you know, what they're really, uh, if anybody is commenting on my size, it's more about their own, you know, thoughts about how they should look in some ways. Do you know what I mean? Because people are often like, oh, what do you do? Right. Like, oh, like, what do you, you know, what are you doing? What can I do? And I'm like, "Eh, (laughs) (laughs) just living my life. life." Um, or, uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, and I just remind myself that the thing that is actually drawing people to me and the thing is the fact that I am warm and kind and weirdly effervescent sometimes. I know it sounds weird because I'm cranky and quiet most of the time, but (laughs) the thing that draws people to me is like the warmth and the personality and the way that I am with them. And I know that even though they're saying things about the way that I look, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, so that's sort of, uh, some recent reflecting that I've done on it. I definitely have let go of, I don't know. I think so much of the part of the process of growing up, at least for me, is letting go of my attachment to things I used to think were going to make me happy. Hmm. And that's uh, specific career things, specific personal relational goals, you know, um, the way that I look like all of these certain things I built up into my head, certain getting to a certain level of achievement. Uh, for anybody, it might be money. It might be, you know what I mean? Like getting, getting all of these things that I thought, oh, once I get that thing, I'm going to be happy. Uh Aha. 
the trick actually I am realizing and I'm feeling so much more peaceful and joyous than I have in a long time is letting go of all of it (laughs) and, and being just more at peace. And yeah, like I biohack, you know, like I do and I have an amazing job that I work hard at. Well, I will work hard. It starts tomorrow, but (laughs) (laughs) you know, like letting go of that has been the most important thing. And that makes me think about what you were saying. Um, and I think this is, what I love about our podcast, I mean, there's so many things to love about this amazing podcast, but like we talked the about the best biohacking. podcast. Yeah, the best. We talked about biohacking and we identify in some ways as biohackers, but also like you're saying, like the generalities are the important thing. That is mm-hmm. a part of our biohacking, right? Or our biohacking is a part of that. Like they're not separate from each other. We really do think like eat generally well, be peaceful be nice. These are our primary principles, right? And that's a part of biohacking in a sense, because it does contribute to your well-being just by letting go, right? So I don't know, there's a nice like we hold space for like the dialing in and also the more expansive, like, chill, you know? Yes. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, it's a balance. It's definitely a balance. And man, can we talk? That's why we have a podcast. See you next week. <laughs> After talking about ourselves. That is it from us for today. Okay, so quick heads up. If you are a huge fan of magnesium and magnesium breakthrough like I am, Bioptimizer's Black Friday deals start now. And not only are they giving you a huge discount all month long, so throughout November, they're also giving away over $200 worth in free gifts. This is exclusive to my community and the podcast community. So listen up and then also use our link to get those deals. You can maybe just mark it down on your calendar to check this month or Black Friday to go to magbreakthrough.com slash wellfed. That's where all the the extra deals are going to be this month. So if you want to stock up, I highly recommend it. That's what I'm going to be doing. If you are feeling stressed out or you haven't been sleeping well lately, you are not alone. I am right there with you. You might not be able to change all the chaos out there, but you can absolutely start supplementing with one of the key nutrients to help improve your sleep quality, as well as over 600 other biochemical reactions in your body. Magnesium Breakthrough is one of the only products I've found that has all the magnesiums that I want in one convenient pill. You'll use less supplements, you'll spend less money. And you'll still get all the top forms of magnesium. There's seven in Magnesium Breakthrough for stress and better sleep. Most magnesium supplements fail because they are synthetic or they're not full spectrum. And when you get all seven critical forms, pretty much every function in your body gets upgraded from your brain to your sleep, pain and inflammation and less stress, which has absolutely been my experience. Right now for the entire month of November, the makers of Magnesium Breakthrough, so Bioptimizers. I've interviewed Wade, who is uh, the founder of Bioptimizers. They're having a Black Friday, Cyber Monday blowout sale, and Magnesium Breakthrough is the product that they're they're doing a big blowout sale on, which is great for me because that's what I we blow through every month. So all month long, you'll get 10% off with my unique code, plus access, and that code is WELLFED10 plus access to over $200 in free gifts 
like you can sample a lot of the products. They have free gifts, books, and stuff like that for you to choose with your purchase. So this is the best time to stock up and take advantage. I've been really recommending this product for quite some time over the years. Um, I've never seen discounts like this that they have this month, not to mention the all the bonus gifts. And you can sample and try out other supplements, which I think is, is really helpful. I love a good sample. <laughs> I love a good free gift. You can only get this exclusive deal with my link, MAG Breakthrough, so M-A-G-B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H dot com forward slash wellfed. Our code is wellfed10 to get your discount and all your free gifts. And by the way, if you try something and you don't like it or it doesn't work for you, you can get a full refund for up to one year after you purchase. No questions asked. That's what I love about buy optimizers and just reputable companies they stand behind their product even if it doesn't work for you or something's wrong and it just it's not a good fit so don't worry about it magbreakthrough.com forward slash well fed okay so the second question might we're gonna have to unpack a little too so this might be the last question of the day but um this one's from Zoe. She says, we know to limit PUFAs, so polyunsaturated fats internally, but can PUFA oils topically cause problems? I've heard, I've heard because they're unstable, they oxidize and cause issue topically, like aging and age, age spots when exposed to the sun. But you'll find PUFA oils in just about every skincare product out there. Are there safe ratios, limits, or PUFA oils, should they be completely avoided topically? Um, I'll just say something general and quick. Because, well, you'll see. So uh, my my approach uh, is understanding that, like, a, a couple of things. Like, uh, things when things oxidize, it can be really, like, bad for us. Uh, when they're rancid, it can be really bad for us. That goes, like, yeah, inside our body and out. If there's something, like, you know, sitting on top of your skin that's rancid. That's not great, I don't think. At the same time, a, a lot of our caution about uh, seed oils, about omega-6 is about PUFAs, um, is also about striking that balance. And so we need to remove right between the sixes and the threes. That doesn't apply to your skin because your immune system is, there are different systems in your body. So you can strike that worry away. And uh, we put things on our skin like uh, certain vitamins that you need to be careful with exposing to the sun, right? Because uh, because then this the sun will oxidize them, and that's okay. I, so generally speaking, I want to say uh, the nutrients that are present in so many things that I put on my face, like vitamin A, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like that. I do every day, you know, vitamin A stuff, vitamin C stuff. Uh, and then I wear a nice SPF and that's that. So I, I am speaking from my personal experience and I know that Noelle has done a lot of very intentional thinking about this. So I'm just letting y'all know what I do. And now Noelle <laughs> well, intentional thinking about this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I did talk. So we talked obviously before this and I did reach out to a few other people in this, in the holistic skincare world and just was like, Hey, what are, cause I, you know, what are your thoughts on this that have that have followed Ray Pete and kind of generally do the the PUFA thing, but are also I've reached out to a couple of people who are, you know, highly knowledgeable in skincare and skincare oils in general. And I just I, I think that this 
let me let me start by let me start. I'm like, where do I even start? Because I don't. I I know that this is kind of not necessarily a controversial topic, but there are people who really buy into this, and I am not necessarily one of those people. I think there are things that should be cautioned, but I don't. I, I'm. I can tell you right up front, like. There's not any there's not a lick of literature to support any of those claims. And that's where I think, OK, well, we need more research. But a PUFA that Steph and I have a section in our book about vegetable oils and PUFAs and why that's like one of the four things are in our four by four that you remove because they're highly inflammatory and a lot of people feel a lot better when they remove them. So a PUFA is a polyunsaturated fat. There are also monounsaturated fats and saturated fats. And generally speaking, we refer to fats in two different forms. Sometimes they're called oils. They are liquid at room temperature and fats, which are solid at room temperature. Fats are made up of different elements. So carbon, oxygen, and hydrogen. And when you look at a fat, like when you look at fat, like in terms of how it's structured, it kind of looks like a chain. So a saturated fat is called saturated because it's saturated with hydrogen. And I'm trying to like, I wish I could put a visual (laughs) up on your phone right now, but really just think of it as like a line. And then, you know, maybe there's like little O's and then each on each side, there's an H and then there's another little line and that's connected to another O. And then, you know, on each little side, there's an H and that just keeps going and going and going. And so that's why it's solid at room temperature. Now, monounsaturated fats are missing in their chain. They're missing one of those hydrogen atoms. So it actually looks like a kink. So if you see kind of this, like if you can imagine, I don't know, looking at a necklace, it's like a kink in the chain and it looks now like now it's not a straight line. It like kind of goes up. Polyunsaturated fats have two kinks, which is why they are a unstable. So more prone to being, you know, oxidized when exposed to heat and to light and um, and what was that? Number one, they're more <laughs> prone to being oxidized and uh like they are number two liquid at room temperature. So you'll see now that there's this two kinks, more fluid, um, not saturated. So that's really all the, the only difference um, in in different types of fats. Now, I'm a huge fan of coconut oil. Obviously, we are huge. I'm a huge fan of cooking with it. And the only two fats that I really use in my cooking is coconut oil and I use olive oil for on top of our salads. I will occasionally use avocado oil just because it's more neutral. But in general, Steph and I are both team do not use vegetable oils in cooking. Don't use it in baking. I use coconut oil in baking because they are processed in most like canola oil, grapeseed oil, safflower oil, sun soybean oil. All of those are so highly processed. Then you buy them off the shelves in like these clear plastic containers. They're not protected from light um, or the sun or heat. And then you go expose it to more heat when you're cooking. And that can be really dangerous and cause inflammation and a lot of problems internally. What the claims are being made, and, and this is a big, there's a guy named Ray Pete, and he's been talking about this stuff for a very long time. He's even been talking about red light therapy for a very long time. And I think, Steph, are you a fan of him? 
Are you? No. Oh. Yes. You liked him. I I can't remember. Well, so it was, I I actually, I'm very unfamiliar with his work. um, Yeah. I wouldn't be able to say one way or the other. It was many, many years ago, way back at the beginning when I did some uh, more intensive reading, but that was a Mm -hmm. long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. I'm indifferent. Like I'm not, I don't know. I haven't read anything necessarily alarming. I mean, he just, he's just kind of like a basic scientist that kind of talks about some basic they, uh, not basic, but, you know, he's he's kind of talked about PUFAs from the beginning. It's cool. I read his thing on PUFAs. I agree. Which is why <laughs> which is why we don't eat vegetable oils. And so when it comes to skincare, however, there are a lot of people who follow Ray Pete who then have extracted a lot, make a lot of claims from this information about PUFAs. And because PUFAs can be exposed or, or, you know, can easily oxidize, you should never put it on your skin because you put it on your skin and now you go out to the sun and it's going to oxidize and cause aging and cause this and cause that. Let's talk about the literature. So when we're talking about seed oils, we're talking about everything from argon oil. So really, the when we talk, when I talk about vegetable oils and not eating them and, and they're kind of, you know, nasty and inflammatory. We're talking about these highly processed vegetable oils, canola oil, soybean oil, all that stuff. Seed oils can also be, you know, technically, this is like a cold-pressed oil. There, Some of you may be familiar with these skincare oils like argon oil, which I love, um, or let me think of it, like ojoba oil, um, rose hip oil. These are some high-end Ojoba oil is not super high-end, but there are some high-end, what we'd call seed oils or oils that have higher have a higher PUFA content that come from seeds that have known positive effects in on the skin. So they have been researched. So the first thing that I did when I saw this question is I started digging into what the literature said. Is there anything out there about showing that if you put a PUFA on your skin, it can oxidize and cause skin aging and damage? Couldn't find a single one. Nothing. I, the And I looked at a lot of the research that I am familiar with and I know a lot about. And all of it, there's a lot of research about how, you know, there's once a couple studies that I can link to in the show notes. One, natural oils for skin barrier repair, ancient compounds now backed by modern science. It is a very large comprehensive study looking at the positive impacts of ancient, these traditional ancient skincare oils that have been used for centuries, like olive oil, coconut oil, argan oil, ojoba oil, and how they actually improve skin barrier function. There's a second one called anti-inflammatory and skin barrier skin barrier repair effects of topical application of some plant oils that looked at everything from olive and coconut oil to rosehip oil to safflower and argon oil they concluded that it all of these uh, in different ways these oils promote skin barrier homostasis they have antioxidant activities they have anti-inflammatory properties they actually have antimicrobial properties they promote wound healing and they actually have anti-carcinogenetic properties some of these oils, too, have been found to actually improve skin texture, to reduce fine lines and wrinkles. So there's a lot of positive results. There has not, you know, if I think that if we were looking at a specific oil, a seed oil, and it caused more aging or caused age spots, we would we would have seen it or we would have seen that in this in the data. But a lot of it says the opposite. Now, I think where... Some of the confusion is coming in, and I'll try to sum it up very 
succinctly, is that a lot of people are taking what Ray Pete says and then changing it to fit their narrative and not really having so like they'll there's a lot of claims. There's some like what was one of them? Um, not only will sun the sun oxidize the lipids in the oil, but it can also extend this damage to the lipids in your skin. PUFAS has been identified as one of the main culprits that cause cellular damage in the presence of radiation. As we know, the sun emits radiation in the form of ultraviolet light. And that like claim and from one of the articles that I read that you guys sent me, that claim links to this PUFA article by Ray Pete, which he is not talking about topical application of oils. He's actually talking about ingestation of PUFAs. There's another one that's like, PUFAs don't need UV light to oxidize through UV light. They will oxi- they'll oxidize faster and actually light, including blue light and these fluorescent lights. Fluorescent lights can put off radiation and that can cause your skincare to oxidize. I looked at the source for that claim. That links to a Wikipedia page about fluorescent lights and that cl- that it said that exact same thing. Some fluorescent lights have been found to emit e- radiation. And it said source still needed. Like, it's just a claim on the Internet. <laughs> so I think there's a lot of claims being made. We're linking to Ray Pete's, you know, article. We're linking to these Wikipedia pages. I have found not a single lick of literature about anything in regards to seed oils causing aging spots or oxidizing your skin or causing... XYZ problem for your skin. So I think that there's a lot of attempts to draw conclusions. I will say this. I think it's really important about how products are formulated. Um, How a product is stored is really, really important. And oil can go rancid if it's stored in a clear plastic bottle or a glass. And I think that this is also true of specific nutrients like Steph was mentioning. So vitamin C has to be properly stored because it can go rancid in four to six months if not properly stored. Uh, This is also why I'm not a fan of, not a huge fan anymore of this homemade skincare because a lot of times you're using, you're going to the store, you're buying these oils that are stored in clear plastic bottles. You're making yourself these skincare serums and oils, and you're not using proper preservatives like vitamin E, you know, that those, that's, that's what we're talking about, proper formulation that stabilizes a product. So if you're not using vitamin E in ratios that are specific to the product, and then it sits even longer in your cabinet, you have a very high chance of having rancid oils. And so that's why you can't necessarily say, Okay, here's the study. Which there is one study that has link- is linked to, and Ray Pete talks about this too in relation to PUFAs and skincare. There were rabbits. One set of rabbits ate, I think it was corn oil. The other set of rabbits ate uh, coconut oil. Then they put them out in the sun. The ones who ate co- uh, the corn oil had very wrinkled skin. This leads me to believe that you really should not be drinking corn oil. <laughs> You really shouldn't use it in your cooking. And I, and Steph and I are not fans of poofas in general and ingesting them. Am I thinking you have to avoid absolutely everything ingestation wise? Like you should never like, oh, OK, like if you if you're going to use, you know, I don't know, what's it like almond oil or something in your baking once or two, like, no, I don't like again, we're not about rigid rules or about foundational principles. And one of the foundational principles is, yes, reduce these inflammatory vegetable oils from your diet. We stand behind that. I stand behind that. I think that's a huge uh, thing that you can do that would improve your health and your inflammatory markers and all the things. But I don't believe that this means you should keep all poofas out of your skincare. 
I don't think you should be rubbing corn oil. I don't like this is not a pass to go and rub corn oil or um, like soybean oil all over your body and then go lay out on the equator. I Like that's not good either because now you have oil sitting on your skin and you're like, you know, you're exposing yourself to a lot of sun. I think using properly formulated products, high quality products is probably not an issue. I'm still going to be using my primarily pure serum with argon oil. Um, you can use a lot of of cream-based products too. Like most of the products that I use from Beauty Counter, Counter Time, don't have oils in them. I don't love oils, but I really like creams better. I love shea butter. I love squalene. I do love coconut oil as a component of skincare, and I love that cream base because I have drier skin. So there is a lot of stuff that you can find. And if if you see, like, you know, argan oil or some oil, like, way down on the list, that means it's a very, very small portion of that product. And when we have proper formulation and we're applying it to our skin, that product should absorb into your skin. It's not sitting on the top. That's kind of what a cream moisturizer would do. And that's what you do before you go to bed to kind of seal in all the nutrients. But applying a serum or whatever, that should really sink into your skin and um, be absorbed through all the layers, which coconut oil actually doesn't do. So that's why formulation is is, is really important. That's why I don't like putting just coconut oil on my skin because it's a, it's a wax. It sits on your skin like a wax. But as part of a properly formulated product, it can absorb better and it actually plays a part in, you know, all the components of that skincare and what that's doing. All of this is to say, I think, personally for me, not worried about it, not worried about properly formulated products, but I'm not also not going to go slather corn oil all over my body and call it a moisturizer. So... Uh, with SPF, like Stephanie said, that's really important to use. Make sure that your SPF does not have vitamin A in it. This is actually something that is really popular in the conventional skincare world, but nobody's talking about that. I'm like, where are all these articles? Hopefully there are some articles. I mean, maybe, maybe because I know it, I'm not looking for it, but Vitamin A can damage your skin when it's exposed to the sun. And a lot of sunscreens, will put even like makeup products that are like like a dew skin or um like a like an SPF tinted moisturizer for for example will have like retinol and vitamin A in it you do not want to put vitamin you don't want vitamin A in your SPF so make sure that you're using a high quality mineral based SPF that does not have retinol or vitamin A in it that is all I'll say. Anything else? Uh, I have a question. Yes. <laughs> um, is there, so when we talk about exposure to the sun, do you know what the uh, time limit on that might be, right? So say, for example, I put on a vitamin A thing at night before I go to bed. If I go out in the morning, should I slather on an SPF or has my skin absorbed the vitamin A and are we all good to go? I don't know. I think if you wash your face in the morning, you would be good to go. Mm, okay. Something I've, I've thought about a lot. I wonder about it all the mm-hmm. time, you know, um, because I, right. I rotate different nutrients at different times of the day. And I've just uh, always wondered if I put something on. It kind of stands to reason that, you know, things absorb over time. And so 
you know, the effect would be less than if you just put it on and went outside. But I haven't actually seen any studies on it, although I haven't haven't done any looking. So there you go. That's why I, I, I doubt there's much, but I would say that. So there are certain products like the overnight resurfacing peel, for example, that specifically goes on at night because you don't want that exposure to the sun. And so if you're getting up and washing your face, you're good to go. But I also think SPF and I don't do this. So, you know, this is going to come off as but I, I need to. But I, I don't because I don't like putting a ton of stuff on my face in the morning. It's mm-hmm. just same. But you, you like if you can and you can be on top of it, putting a face SPF on your um, skin in the morning is like it should be a daily thing because you're still so blue light can age you. Like what? H-E- yeah. HEV light. Yeah. Okay. So blue light can age you as, and it can as can just like the sun, normal sun, even during the winter. So I, w- I want to be better about it. I just haven't. I hate putting stuff on my face in the morning that I can feel. I just not I'm not great at it. Yeah, same. So okay, let's see what we can get done with this last question. This is from Marley. She says, "Can we talk about L-theanine? How do we know if we could ben- would benefit?" I heard on another podcast people taking it with their coffee in the morning. Sounds interesting. Yeah. So. Um- it is really fascinating. I can't take L-theanine because, well, it's been many years since I've tried. Maybe I could try it again. But one of the most common side effects of L-theanine is headaches. I'm not 100% sure why. Really? I've done a, yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, uh, I mean, and it's, I'm saying one of the most common side effects. I'm not saying it commonly happens for people. But do you know what I mean? Like, Mm-hmm. There are some people who, if they experience side effects, then it might be headaches. And that would maybe be the case for people who are predisposed to get headaches from just about everything, which I am. Right. So like, the number of things in the world that give me headaches outweighs the things in the world that don't give me headaches. So. <laughs> uh, which, but it's gotten better. So it's fine. So anyway, so I've tried L-theanine. I haven't been able to take it. Um, but what's the thing about L-theanine? It, there's a lot there, but I think the the thing about L-theanine is the way that it interacts with neurotransmitters and therefore the kinds of uh, brave brain wave states that it can uh, put us in. So L-theanine looks a little bit like um, glutamate and like GABA, uh, both of which are very active in the brain. Glutamate is a big contributor to excitatory brain states. GABA is the biggest contributor to inhibitory brain states. GABA is my champ. I love making GABA because I don't know, my brain's not good at it. So that's mm-hmm. why I tried L-theanine, but it wasn't anyway. So um, L-theanine actually enhances uh, the activity of GABA in the brain without uh, doing without causing drowsiness. Um, and this is in part because it increases GABA, it acts at these glutamate and GABA receptor sites, and it will help increase dopamine and serotonin in certain regions. And your brain more easily enters what is called like an alpha brainwave state. Um, There are a handful of different kinds of brainwaves, and they each correspond to a different level of alertness. So uh, brain waves are, are fascinating because it is electromagnetic radiation in the same way. Like so is light and so is the radio. And how cool is that? Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> but they're, they operate at such 
way, 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 way different frequencies. So brainwaves are extremely low frequency. They're on the order of like when you're sleeping, it's like a couple of hertz. And then when your brain is really active, it might be a few dozen hertz, right? And then when you look at radio waves, it's like 50 to 1000 megahertz. And visible light is is even higher than that, you know, 10 to the 14 hertz. So like, what, it's way different, but it's electric, it's waves. And um, it's about the frequency of oscillation of electrical signals that are like moving through your brain, uh, which is just really fascinating. So the alpha brain waves are situated in the middle between uh, the range of frequency. Uh, a beta brain is oriented towards problem solving. It's more active. Uh, some talk about a gamma brain that is even higher in terms of activity than a than a beta frequency. And then below alpha is uh, theta and delta, which are more relaxed and then like sleep. So alpha is where you might be, say, if you're really uh, calm, <laughs> if you're meditating, if you're doing yoga, uh, if you uh, build those things into your daily practices, if you're uh, having the ability to focus without being sort of frenetic about it, but having a single focus. Uh, and so alpha feels great because you're relaxed, but you can still think about stuff and you can sort of look at things one at a time instead of this like deluge of data of sort of, like I said, frenetic uh, attempts to problem solve, which you might experience in beta or what have you. So L-theanine, again, uh, participates in stimulating alpha brain waves. And then if you put it in your coffee, this is so biohacky, but it totally just really is. And you put it in your coffee, then you get the alertness from the caffeine and also the chillness from, from the L-theanine. I haven't tried it, of course. Maybe I could because of, you know, time and stuff. But yeah, so I, I'm guessing that that's, I've never done the coffee thing, but I'm guessing that that's what people experience. Have you tried it, Noel? I haven't tried the coffee. I don't like anything in my coffee, but about two, probably two-ish years ago, my primary care doctor actually said, because I was like, hey, okay, let's say it was like two and a half years ago. I said, you know, hey, I had some postpartum anxiety and I just was like could not sleep well after I had my first what can I do for my second like that's my only real concern and she was like here you go we're gonna take L-theanine it's gonna work and I was like okay didn't really she said you can take you know take two you can take up to three or four if you really really need it you can start taking it now it's safe to take now it's definitely safe for for breastfeeding so I started experimenting with it and I had a much better postpartum experience the second time around in terms of my mental health. So, you know, from that perspective, it worked. And anytime I try to take it out, I don't have the same deep sleep. So I just take it. I love it. It's the only amino acid that I take. I take a, only a handful of supplements, magnesium, and occasionally vitamin D here or there, and a probiotic. And I take L-theanine. That's, that's basically like at full stop, obviously, I take vitamin C too, liposomal vitamin C. But um, I found it very interesting the idea of putting it in your coffee. Obviously, like Steph so wonderfully explained, it's a nootropic, which I just think 
it, it like you know it can boost serotonin levels it can improve your mood and overall feelings of well-being and joy if you take it in the morning and but if you take it at night it can actually really help with deep sleep and somewhere around 400 to 500 milligrams will help with that. So you you would want to take a little bit more at night if you're trying to get help with the sleep and kind of having that nice boost of GABA and the calmness and just kind of chilling out for sleep. If you want the heightened focus and awareness and all that kind of stuff, then you would combine it with caffeine because of that synergistic effect. For coffee, the ratio is one to two. Now, I may try it, but at the same time, I'm like, well, I just like taking it at night. But so if you had one cup of coffee, which is like around 100 milligrams of caffeine, you would take 200 milligrams of L-theanine. There's a brand called Vital Nutrients. That's what I take, Vital Nutrients, L-theanine, and they come in 200 milligram capsules. So you would technically, you could just shake the powder into your coffee and drink one cup of coffee with one pill of the L-theanine. Cool. I didn't... Cool. Interesting facts about brainwaves. Uh, yeah. Anything else from you? Nope. Okay, for more from me, you can go to coconutsandkettlebells.com. For more from Stephanie, follow her at stephanie.ruper on the Insta and healthtoempower.com. We love you guys. Thanks so much for being here. We will talk to you next week. <laughs>